This is episode number six of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson here with my friend Ashley Huntsberger. Ashley, how you doing today? Doing great. How are you, Bob? I'm doing good. What's what's happening down there in Bolivia? Oh, not too much. Actually, we just had a a big national holiday, so the streets were full of marching bands and traditional dances, which was pretty cool. Um, but now the party's over, so we're back to our normal routine here. The party's over. Did you get out and uh, photograph any of those people on the streets? You know, I did not. I, I heard a lot from other foreigners who live here that it might be a little dangerous. Um, a lot of there's a lot of drinking going on. But uh-huh. now that I saw it for myself, I think next year we'll be we'll be out on the streets. <laughs> ah, good. Always interesting. Always interesting. So anyway, yeah, welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. We've been doing this off and on on a sporadic basis for the last couple of years. Now we're going to make it a regular thing. And Ashley, who happens to be our editor, is uh, is joining me. I twisted her arm. And uh, <laughs> you don't want to hear my voice all the time. She's much more interesting than I am, I can tell you that. And you'll find out. Um Many of you already know Ashley or know of her because she does most of the work on the front end of the magazine. She writes almost everything on the blog, except when I stumble through something and just keeps everything humming. So, Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, so everybody knows who you are and what you're up to. Okay, sure. Um, Yeah, I I live in Bolivia right now. Originally, I'm from Florida. Um, My husband's from Argentina, so... We're a bit of, I guess, what you would call nomads. We kind of go here and there. We're usually in a place for about a year. Um, the past few years, we've been mostly around Bolivia. So we've lived in a few different cities. Um, we started out in Darija, which is kind of a small town. Um, but we had some, some really nice times there, some good photography opportunities, too. Uh, then we moved on to Cochabamba, which is a bigger city. Uh, we really enjoyed Cochabamba, actually. It had a lot of... Uh, comforts and commodities that we didn't have in the smaller town. And now we're on to one of the biggest cities in Bolivia. Uh, we just moved here a few months ago. And we're, it's, the city's called El Alto. And it's kind of on a, a plateau. We're at about 4,000 meters, which is about 13,000 feet. So we had to adjust to the altitude. Um, this city has about a million inhabitants. And then right kind of connected to the city is La Paz which is down in a valley, and that has about 2 million people. So we're in a big city now, um, but we've really been enjoying it. There's, there's a lot to do here. There's a lot to see, tons of variety. Um, I think that's one of the things we love about Bolivia is it's just such a mix of old and new and Andean traditions and modern stuff. So we're having a good time in Bolivia. We're here for now, and then we'll see where we go later on. <laughs> You know, I told you I was thinking of the other day when I was watching this movie with Sandra Bullock where she goes to Bolivia to advise uh, uh, a guy who's running for president of Bolivia. And, and she first gets there and she's sick. She has to walk around with an oxygen mask on because of the altitude. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the airport here, you can, uh, when you arrive to El Alto, they have a little section where you can go drink in some oxygen for 
half an hour or so to help you adapt. Wow. <laughs> we didn't do that when we came. We were sick for about three days, though. And then your body adapts pretty well by itself, usually. Yeah, 13,000 feet, four meters. That's pretty high. Yeah. So, anyway, let's get into the uh, the podcast. The um, I've got a few things for you. Every uh, every episode, we're going to be covering uh, a lot of the a lot of the news and events that are going on in the street photography world. So we'll be talking about that. We'll we'll talk about what's going on in the magazine itself, Street Photography Magazine. We get a lot of questions, and we thought this is a good opportunity to to talk about those upcoming articles, uh, how to get published, which Ashley's going to be covering part of that today. And uh, we're going to give you a recommended street photographer. Um, We meet lots of photographers here, and so each... Each episode, we're going to pick one to recommend to you and, and tell you why we think that. And sometimes we'll talk about gear as well. All right, so Ashley, let's, what's going on in the news right now? Uh, oh, I've got one. Uh, we have a guest today, and our guest is a guy named Tomash. You may know of Tomash if you're a Fuji shooter. He has a, um, he has a website called Fuji Love. And he's also started publishing a magazine, which was a very in- interesting conversation with us. And he does the Fuji Love podcast as well. So um, after we're done with our business here, we're going to have uh, an interview that uh, I conducted with Tomash just the other day. So uh, what what else do you have there, Ashley, that's coming up? Yeah, there's actually a lot of contests going on right now I wanted to share with you guys. Um, one that's still open for entries is by Lens Culture. And it seems like a really good uh, opportunity to, to enter a competition. One of the things that I really liked about this competition is that if you go to their website, um, which is just lensculture.com, um, you'll see the deadline is August 16th. So you've only got about a week left to enter. But they have a really nice street photography gallery to give you inspiration, to help you choose your photos that you want to enter into the contest. Um, and it's a really good opportunity for exposure and recognition. So I think that's a good one for you guys to check out if you're interested in entering any any competitions this year. Yeah, Lens Culture is uh, a great site. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Then we have also the Urban 2016 Photo Awards. That one's no longer open for entries, but the winners have been announced. And there's some really good photos, especially in the street photography section. Uh, so you might want to check that one out too. Yeah, that one's at www.urban.art.it. Yeah, I was one of the uh, jurors in that contest. And That's right. Yeah, it was, and it was tough. I mean, it's tough when there's so much good competition. So very, very hard to choose. There, I think there were about twelve people uh, on the jury. So yeah, definitely check it out. There's some great photos in there. Yeah, some really good images, for sure. And then other than that, there's a workshop I wanted to tell you guys about. Uh, last year, we did a special a special edition of the magazine with the winners from the Miami Street Photography Festival. Really cool festival. Um, but now they have a workshop that's open for, uh, you can sign up for it still. It's about finding your vision. And the teachers of that workshop are Alex Webb and Rebecca Norris Webb. Oh wow! And it also looks like a really, 
a really good workshop. Um, the description of it on their website says it's for serious am amateurs and professionals. And it's all about your own personal development in the way you see photography, developing your style, which I think is something that a lot of us struggle with. Um, should we develop a, a specific style? Should we limit ourselves in that way? Uh, is it really limiting ourselves if we have a style? So it looks like a really interesting workshop. Um, it's going to be November 28th through December 2nd of this year in Miami. Okay, so it'll be right before the Miami Festival? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure when when the festival's going to start this year, but it was always in December, so yeah, probably right before. Yeah, it's usually early December, so yeah, I bet it is. So I'll have to check that out. That's uh, that's very, very interesting. So yeah, we all... it, that one's a five-day workshop, so it's pretty intensive. It's a little pricey, but... Uh, you know, the Miami Street Photography Festival has been really well put together, um, a lot of really amazing images. So I think it would be a worthwhile a worthwhile workshop if you've got the, the time and the money. Yeah, especially if you're from up north. It's a great time to get yeah. out of the cold. You can do a little vacation, too. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? Go down to South Beach. Hang out with all the beautiful people, drink some fifteen dollar drinks. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we also have a new feature on the website that that Ashley created. It's the uh, the SPM Gallery. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're starting a a feature. Uh, we have in mind to do it uh, once a month, perhaps. And it's just going to be a way to get your photos seen, uh, to learn specific techniques about specific aspects of street photography. For example, the first one uh, is already up on the blog, and it's called SPM Gallery. It's about lines. So how to use lines in your photography, uh, how to direct your viewer's eyes towards a specific point of interest using lines. Lines can be an important tool when it comes to composition. So. You have a little description about lines and then some really good examples from our Flickr group. We've selected a few people who have incorporated lines into their images to make a more powerful image. Um, so there's some really good ones on there to take a look at. And the photographers of those images have taken the time to write a few sentences, a little paragraph about how they use the lines, how they composed their image, um, just some good tips that can help you improve your own street photography. And we'd like to do different, different themes each time, this time with lines, but we'd like to do contrasts, um, light and shadows. We have a whole list of topics that we'd like to include. And so what we're going to do, this, this first one we selected people, just you know, handpicked from the group. So as always, if you, if you upload your photos to our Flickr group, um, we're always taking a look at them to see if we might be able to use them for the blog or for projects like these. But in the future, we'd like people to go ahead and submit them directly for each each uh, topic that we bring up. Yeah, so uh, our next topic that we're going to feature in the gallery is color street photography. So if you just upload your best color street photography image to our Flickr group, and then we're going to tag it SPM color, right, Bob? Yeah, so just use the tagging feature and tie in 
put the word SPM color, all one word, all lowercase, and then we'll find it. Yeah, and we'll take a look at those. Uh, what we're encouraging you guys to do, if you can, please, is write a few sentences in the description of your photo about uh, the colors or what drew you to the scene, something to help other people with their color street photography. Uh, and then we're going to select a few, probably somewhere between 10 and 15 images to feature in the SPM gallery, uh, which hopefully we'll be publishing in the beginning of September. Uh, that's right. And if uh, we're only going to publish images that have a couple of sentences written about them. So if you can, uh, if you can do that ahead of the game, that's great. And it goes in the description field. Um, in Flickr, you have the, the title. You don't have to put a title, by the way. That's up to you. And then the, your description explains what you have to tell us about the photograph. Uh, if we see something we really like and there's no description, we're going to reach out and ask you to put one in. Um, but we're not going to publish one without a description because people want to know what's going on, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got about a month to, to upload your images to the group, and then we'll make our selection. That's right. And we're gonna, we'll put a link to the, uh, to the group, uh, Flickr group in the show notes of this uh, episode. So if you're not a member of that Flickr group, uh, please join. We've got a, a lot of members, and it's pretty active. So we're very happy with it. Yeah, there's a lot to see there. Yes, there is. Another thing we, we wanted to mention, right, Bob, was about uh, how, how we select our, our authors for the magazine. Yeah, that's a good point since we're talking about writing. Um, I know this is one of your pet peeves, so <laughs> go for it. Well, I don't know if I'd call it pet peeves, but <laughs> I would say there's a lot of really good street photographers out there who just don't have uh, written content to back up their images. So sometimes we see images we'd love to publish, but if there's no descriptions with the photos or nothing about the project, um, it's just not really a good fit for the magazine. So that's something we wanted to mention to you guys. Uh, we're, always look at, we're always on the lookout for, for contributors for the magazine. Um, you know, as you can read in our homepage, one of the objectives of the magazine is to help people, you know, get recognized, get seen, get their work out there. And it doesn't matter if you're a new street photographer or a professional. Uh, we kind of choose from everywhere. Uh, but one thing that we do have kind of as a requirement for, for our contributors is to write good text to go with your, with your images. Um, so we've got a couple resources to help you out with that. Uh, on the on the website, there's a submissions tab, and there's a really good article there with some photo tips, um, you know, some information about what kind of word count we're looking for, what kind of things you can include, uh, and really, you've got creative license, so you can write about just about anything. Um, we're not too worried if you're not good at spelling or grammar, because we, we edit the articles for that, but we do need you to talk about your work. Uh, to give us maybe the story behind your images or the motivation for your project or what you love about street photography. It could be something as simple as that, what gear you use. Any of those things are good for the magazine. Um, you just got to write it. <laughs> so if you're ever interested in submitting your work to the magazine, please go for it. 
Um, but make sure you, you have a, a good amount of text to go with your images, and, and that's what really makes us consider an article for publishing. Yeah, and what do you consider a good amount of text? I would say bare bones minimum, we need at least 500 words. But what we really like to see is between 1,000 and 1,500 words. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if if you're working on a photo project, it's usually not too hard to do. You can, you know, write some descriptions about each, each images, where you got it, how you got it, uh, you know, the inspiration behind your project. It sounds like a lot of words, but it's really not that bad once you <laughs> sit down and just write about what you're doing. Yeah, and the story about what's happening there. Yeah. Um, good I, stories really make for good articles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the photos then enhance the story. Yeah. You know, what I like to see a lot of times is, you know, just a brief introduction explaining why you chose your project and what it's all about. And then the stories behind each image. Um, I don't know. Personally, for me, I know we, we try to capture a story in a frame and let the image tell its story. But I personally like to know how you got that photo and did you talk to the person? What, what were they about? Um, I find those things really interesting. Yeah, I did an interview um, that's going to be coming up in a future issue um, with a photographer. And he did, did a photo story, and actually you can correct my bad Spanish, is about La Bestia, Bestia, the Beast. It's a train that people take from the southern border of Mexico up to the U.S. Mm-hmm. The story, you know, his photos were wonderful. And then the story yeah. he told me that pulled everything together was was amazing. Did I say that right? Yeah, I, I remember the story you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Really good, really good work. And then, you know, you can always take a look at the articles that are in the magazine um, and kind of use them as yeah. as little hints to what kind of article you could make. Yep, yep. Yes, text goes a long way. Um, yeah, definitely. I know my my son majored in photography in college, photojournalism, and um, they had to do photo stories all the time, and they had to write the uh, the mm. narrative as well. And that that's always a problem. You know, photographers were visual people, not so verbal, um, yeah. but it's a great skill to have. Yeah, and you know, like we mentioned earlier, you don't have to necessarily be the best in grammar and spelling. If you have little errors in there, that's no big deal. What we're interested in is a good story. Mm. Yeah, what if somebody, uh, what if langu- English isn't their first language? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, we, well, I speak Spanish pretty fluently, so if Spanish is your language, that's no problem. We can translate that with relative ease. Um, but if you speak a different language, then. We can still work with that, actually. We've had a few other languages in the past. Uh, what have we had, Bob? We've had Italian, I think, and Portuguese. Lots, yes. Portuguese, French, several articles in French. Um, I've we had yeah. a number of people from Eastern Europe um, use Google Translate. And yeah, we just kind of run it through there and then then spruce it up afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> little um, errors. Yeah, yeah. You know, Google Translate, it's almost funny. I think no matter what language you're translating into, uh, you know, it does a pretty good job. And if we understand, I I did one before you you joined the magazine. I did one the guy wrote, I think it was from Romania, and he, huh. I think he used Google Translate. And I figured it all out and and uh, rewrote it. So um, so yeah. don't let the language thing get in the way. 
Yeah, we really like to keep the the magazine interna international. So if you're from another country, you know, another option is if you have a friend who speaks English who can translate it for you. We've had a few people, a few people do that too. So mm -hmm. um, you know, there's options if you if you don't speak English if it's not your native language. That's right. That's right. I mean, our our readers and our contributors are from everywhere in the world, and and so don't let the fact that you know you don't speak English natively stop you from submitting to the magazine. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, next up, uh, Instagram. You had something you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah. About Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram now. Um, our handle is Street Photo Mag, so you can check us out there. And if you absolutely do not like writing, well, then that's the place to get reposted. <laughs> um, you can just tag us in your photo. Uh, we're always taking a look at everybody who tags, tags us in their images, and if we see something we like that we think would be really nice to share with the rest of our viewers, then um, we'll ask your permission to repost it. So. You can check us out there and just tag us in your images if you want to get uh, reposted. Yeah, great. I know Instagram is... Uh, we're a little behind the curve in getting involved in it, but uh, we're, we're jumping in with, with both feet. Uh, yeah, we're just jumping in there, but but we got a good start so far. So And a lot of really good, uh, uh, good, good images we've seen that we've been tagged in, and we share stuff from the magazine, uh, stuff from the blog, so... It's a pretty cool feed. I think you guys should check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, backing up, talking about the um, the Flickr, the, the uh, SPM gallery again, I, I'm going to make a short video on how to actually um, post to Flickr using tags. So we'll put that in the blog. You can watch for it in there. And uh, that way, if you're not that familiar with Flickr, you'll know how to do it. It's very simple. Okay. Yeah, good idea. All right. Well, we're moving right along here. Um, it's time for our recommended photographer. Every uh, In every episode, we're going to recommend one of the photographers that we're familiar with and uh, talk a little bit about them and encourage you to check out their work. So, Ashley, you're picking this week. Who Who do you want to tell us about? Yeah, actually, I wanted to share a photographer with you guys that um, we got in contact with through Instagram, actually. And his name is Nathan Goldenzweig, really good photographer. He has a great Instagram feed, a really nice, uh, a really nice website to check out. He's got a lot of projects on there. Actually, I think if you're if you're trying to put together a good photo project, check out this guy's website for sure. Um, he has some really nice photo projects. His style, I would call, leans more towards documentary and photojournalism, but really good images and a lot of good street shots. Um, one thing I liked about, about his projects, well, let me tell you about an article that we're actually going to publish by him in November. Um, it's about his Mexican family. Actually, Nathan um, is not from Mexico, but his wife is. So it appears he's lived there for quite some time, and he's taken some really good shots um, very intimate images of just the family goings on in Mexico, which I think is cool because since he's not from that culture originally, you can tell that he has kind of the outsider's viewpoint. Um, and he sees little things that maybe the native to Mexico wouldn't notice 
as as easily. So um, just a really cool perspective. Uh, definitely check out his website. He's on Facebook and Instagram. Um, recently, he posted on Facebook that he was chosen for the I Am Awards. Um, that is a, also a really cool contest that went on this year. Um, and there's going to be a festival and award ceremony in, Ber- in Berlin on August 27th. Uh, so his image will be featured there. The festival looks pretty cool, too. If, if any of you guys have the capability to go to Berlin in August this, this month, um, it looks like a really cool festival. There's different categories of finalists. There's architecture, photojournalist. That's where Nathan's image is. Um, the portraitist and the street photographer. Hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a good fit for if you're in the street photography. There's a lot of you know categories that kind of fit in fit into our genre, <laughs> and it looks like a really nice festival. The jury were people from big organizations like National Geographic, Magnum Photos, um, Getty Images, even. So it's. It looks like it's going to be a really nice festival. Nathan's image is going to be there along with a lot of other really great images. Um, not to get off topic, but but it, it looks like an interesting festival if you could if you could attend it. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I wish I had unlimited funds. I I think I'd spend all year going to these things. And uh, yeah, yeah, and so. Moving right along, we've got uh, something coming up here in the magazine. There's always something coming up. I'm working on a project. Um, I did uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and Mm -hmm. we uh, hosted the uh, Republican National Convention, which, you know, for us in this area, it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. So uh, Street Photography Magazine sponsored a, a, a photo walk. Uh, during the convention, and it was a little tough in a way because the hotels were sold out for like, you know, 75 miles around here. So we, wow. we had, Yeah, we had a number of people wanted to come from out of town, but they, you know, it was really hard for them to get a place to stay. Um, although we did have one, one gentleman, uh, Randall, who's a, a contributor of the magazine. He came up from western Pennsylvania. He did find a hotel room, you know, about... Oh. <laughs> about an hour away, and so it well. was really cool. I mean, it was, it was cool to meet him in person, and it was good to have somebody come from out of town. Um, we, I, I, I first set it up. I limited it to five people because uh, I just, you know, you were talking about the festival that uh, near you, and you were a little afraid to go because you heard there could be problems. Well, we were terrified. Yeah. We were terrified to go downtown. <laughs> you know, because yeah, you know, I guess the dangers there were a little greater than just a few drunk guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so we we didn't know what to expect. I mean, we kept reading, and this is for a year. You know, all these protesters are going to come to town. There's going to be all these riots, and you know, so we were a little afraid. I was afraid, so I wanted to keep it simple, keep it small, and yeah. so I limited it to five people. And that filled up really quickly, so I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add five more. Why not? So some guy signs up. He takes four slots, five slots. So he takes the rest hmm. of the slots. Try contacting him. Never hear from him. So he wound up, you know, locking out 
five more people. And we used, uh, I used Eventbrite to to book the slots. You know, I actually had tickets, although nobody needed a ticket itself. So the, there was five of us, and it was a perfect number of people. Um, small, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad there were only five of us. Uh, by the way, I think Cleveland, Ohio was the safest place on earth during that week. <laughs> I mean, we had so Good many. Thing. Yeah, I mean, there were police everywhere. They were all very nice. Uh, everybody, all the locals would actually stop them and thank them for coming and helping us. Mm. Um, you know, they were no nonsense, I can tell you that. And, but there, yeah. you know, there, there was just very few... There were this weren't many problems. Not, not many people went downtown, so it was actually right, you know, right around in, you know, maybe a ten block area where the convention was and and everything around it. And outside of that, there was nobody around. And wow. Yeah, it was it was really strange. It was very strange, but uh, there was only I was down there for one protest. It was this anti-Trump protest, and there were more mm-hmm. photographers there than there were <laughs> protesters. I mean, they were, like, fighting to, to be able to take pictures <laughs> of some of the more outlandish people. Yeah. And So I guess know, people didn't react probably at all to you guys shooting them there, if there were so many photographers on hand. Not at all. Not at all. And I tell you what, I mean, if, if you're concerned about uh, photographing strangers, a great place to do it is to is to go to some place where there's a lot of photographers, uh, f- a festivals. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, that's one of the reasons I ask you about photographing in the festival, festivals, parades, you know, and then and then don't photograph the event itself. Photograph around the edge of the event. You know, the people watching the parade, the people watching yeah. the protesters or the protesters when they're taking a break on the sidelines, things like that. <laughs> but um, so I had we had a brand new photographer in the group, didn't know what to expect. And another woman who is a, a baby photographer, a portrait photographer, very, Ooh. very good. And, you know, and they're concerned about shooting strangers on the street. But there it was no problem. Um so that 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 was that that was a really neat experience in that way, and so I'm putting this article together. It's funny because we were all in the same place. I mean, we would go. We had several locations where we wanted to shoot, and we'd spend an hour, hour and a half at each location. So we'd go mm-hmm. there together. We'd break up, and everybody would would shoot on their own. And uh, and then afterwards, I ask everyone to you know, send in their favorite photographs because we're going to use them in the article. Yeah. And it was very interesting to see photographs that I took of somebody or something and somebody else shot the same thing, sometimes at the same time. And it's interesting to see our different perspective on the same thing. And that's so that's what the article is really going to be about. It's going to be about, you know, five photographers and five different perspectives of the same event. Uh, yeah, that's so, a really cool angle. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 this kind of came to me as I was reviewing the work. So that's what it's going to be about, and it's going to be in the August issue, which comes out on August the well, week. Great. We're excited to see that. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Well, I, I better be good. Do you have any other photo walks planned for the future? I am thinking about one. You know, we have to keep it local. 
Um, I'm thinking about doing one on a Sunday morning when the Cleveland Browns are in town. Um, we have a, a culture of having, um, tailgate parties and things. They're, 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 you know, people here get really excited when everything, anything happens downtown, <laughs> you know, we're, we're just easy to please, I think. And the, <laughs> the, um, tailgate parties in the parking lots, all the city parking lots just have hundreds of people setting up barbecues and and they're just playing all kinds of games and it's you know it's it's pretty interesting and colorful especially before they all start getting liquored up <laughs> and it starts in the morning so i'm thinking of having a photo walk uh during the tailgate time up until the game yeah. starts so you'll probably get some good images and maybe a burger and a beer too uh, hopefully just or just bring a, <laughs> bring a brat with you and you can you know throw it on somebody's grill if you get hungry so I've been down through there in the past uh, photographing, and it's it's a lot of fun. And again, you know, people are, are relaxed. They don't care if you take their picture. And so it, it, it's a good place to do it. So anyway, that's what we're thinking of doing. Yeah, get, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, you know, I'll get the gang back together for that. So awesome. anyway, so, so that's coming up in the magazine. Cleveland area. I'm sorry. Or... I, I'm stepping no, all over that's... you. <laughs> Go ahead, say that again. <laughs> no, I said if anybody lives in the Cleveland area, though, then or or wants to travel, they'll have to keep their eyes open for the next for the next photo walk. That's right. But we'll we'll uh, get it up on the blog when when we have dates and stuff, right? Yeah, um, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And we don't have many. I want to do it in October. Um, the weather's usually pretty decent in October, and there aren't many home games in October, so. Um, I'll we'll pick something out and go with it. Sometimes it can be nice in November, too. You just never know. Yeah. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> we'll see what happens. That's right. The weather's getting harder and harder to predict these days. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. All right. I think that's all we have for today, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, so we had a lot of contests to check out. We'll put links to those. Uh uh, we'll put a link to Nathan Goldenzweig's website so you guys can check him out, too. What else will we include in there, Bob? Um, we'll have a thing on the uh, on submitting to the uh, the gallery, the monthly gallery. So we'll Absolutely. have some more information on that. And we can even put our Instagram link in there, so if anybody's not following us already and would like to, they can. Absolutely. Great idea. Great idea. And, you know, we're going to have to add that to the... Uh, the website list of links as well and our yeah, social definitely. media links i don't think we put instagram in there Uh-oh. shame on us <laughs> all right we've been slacking and now stick around for my interview with tomash from fuji love and with me today is tomash you may have heard of tomash he is the publisher of the Fuji Love website, podcast, magazine. We'll get into that in a minute. Tomasz is originally from Poland. He lives in Switzerland now. He is kind of a 50-50, a classical pianist and a photographer. Spends about half time on each. Uh, A very creative guy, and you'll see that when you see his work. As a photographer, he bills himself as a fine art photographer. So you probably think, what the heck? Are you doing talking to a fine art photographer on a street photography show? Well, 
as I said, he publishes the Fuji Love website, and a very large percentage of you guys shoot with Fuji or you're thinking about going to mirrorless. And um, so I thought Tomash is a guy you want to know about. So welcome, Tomash. Hey, Bob. Thanks so much for, for having me on, on the show. It's my pleasure. And um, I will get to the fine art slash street photography subject later, I think, on the show. <laughs> That's right. And street photography is fine art, by the way. But, um, anyway, yeah, it's funny the way I found you. I, um, um, you know, I, I like to shoot with primes, and I wanted to get a wide lens. And um, I was looking at a, a 12 millimeter lens that's made by uh, Sam Yang. It's also a Rokinon. You'll see it. Very, very inexpensive. Pretty highly rated. Uh, a friend of mine has it. He has the uh, Canon M system. He's actually mm -hmm. that guy who bought it. There's, okay. there's one person who bought it, and it was him. No, just I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I also, also have <laughs> Canons. But uh, anyway, I looked at it, and I go, wow, this is really nice. And so I did a search. I want to see what people say about it on the, on the Fuji X mount. Up comes your website, and I was hooked after that. So anyway... That's how I found you. I saw that. I said, we've got to get you on you know, on our podcast. So I was just wondering, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, more than what I said, and you know, how you got into this publishing field. I, I was born in Poland, like, like you already mentioned. Um, um, I studied, I'm skipping already, you see. I, I studied music. I studied classical piano. And as you said, I'm still today an active classical pianist i'm you know mainly a chamber musician meaning i'm playing with other instrumentalists violinists cellists and you know trios quartets and so on um my father you know when i was growing up there were always cameras at home there were those analog cameras i had no idea about what they were and uh, i was just seeing my father clicking and clicking and uh, you know and sometimes he, he put a camera in my hand and said okay you my you my son click click as well have some fun <laughs> So this was my beginnings in the photography, um, but mainly I was concentrated on my on my music, on my you know piano playing and studies and so on. Um, when I finished the music academy in Gdańsk in Poland, after that I decided to continue with the music education and I found you know the the College of Music in Lucerne, Switzerland, where I moved in 2000. It was year 2000. And still at that time, I, I wasn't really, I was not, not at all, you know, involved or interested in photography. I mean, I was looking at photos, obviously, in magazines and so on, but I was not photographing actually myself. I, I, I really got into photography around, I would say, 14 years ago. I had a really, really special privilege, luck, you know, of, of going as a musician, as a pianist, on a, on a cruise, on a cruise around Antarctic. So wow. <laughs> wow. I basically went as a bar pianist there. It was a, a huge, huge ship, you know, this passenger, how you call them, cruiser. I have no idea how mm -hmm. it's called. Mm -hmm. And, uh, okay, then I thought, okay, you are going to Antarctica. Probably it will be the first and the last time you are visiting this part of the world. So it wouldn't be so, it, <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad to take a camera with you. <laughs> 
So I went out and uh, I bought my first digital camera at the time. It, it was in 2002, as far as I'm not mistaken. And it was a Canon PowerShot G2. Mm-hmm. I remember very well. So mm-hmm. this was my beginnings. I came back home, you know, with, with the, it was the first memory card. Of course, it was full because I had no idea, you know, what I need and so on. Then I started discovering all the process. You know, you can download the photos, work on them. Oh, you can adjust saturation and contrast and... I just got hooked on, you know, I, I just, you know, I was uh, so excited about the whole thing that, uh, so this is my beginning, this is my, you know, um, the moment I got uh, uh, infected. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then so on, and um, living in Lucerne as a musician, you know, working, first studying, and now working also at this College of Music, there is... So having a daily job, there is not so much time for photography, as you can imagine, or as you probably know. Um, so I started working on a on a, my personal project in this in the city of Lucerne. I started working on a project. It's called Lucerne Times, and it's basically a street photography project. Hmm. Uh, well, street photography as a definition, we can discuss it later. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> it's basically what it is. It's a documenting, you know, life and the streets and yeah. the, also the views, of course, and, and the architecture of the city of Lucerne in black and white. I always somehow was, uh, I love black and white photography. It was always appealing to me. So at that time, when I started this project, I guess it was around six years ago, six, five years ago, I was already shooting with a DSLR. It was, uh, uh, my first DSLR was a Canon, and then I switched to Nikon. And uh, and then at some point, those DSLRs started getting, yeah, as we all know, this, the typical stories, they were starting getting too heavy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on one on, uh, on those walks through the town, uh, and, you know, I was playing with this idea of, of yeah, getting a smaller camera, which I can just have in my pocket. And uh, I basically was standing in front of the of the photography shop on the main street in Lucerne and looking at the shop window. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to get, actually. And then, you know, there were Sonys, there was different uh, Panasonics whatsoever. And then there was this weird looking Fujifilm X100S. Mm-hmm. I had really, at that time... I, the only thing I knew was that the brand Fujifilm exists, and uh, I had no idea what those cameras are about. What it, so what I did, I was standing in front of this shop. I, I saw this little camera, and uh, I, I started checking on my on my iPhone, you know, the the reviews, and suddenly all of those five star reviews started popping up. Looked good in the reviews, really. Like, yeah. So it was my first, you know, information I, I started to, uh, receiving about the whole Fuji, Fuji, Fuji system, Fuji X system. I basically went in, bought this camera, and went out, with, <laughs> you know, without even asking the, the the salesman about what it is and if they recommend it or not. I just I just bought it, and that's it. Two months later, I had all my <laughs> all my Nikon cameras sold, <laughs> and I think I added. Uh, the, the, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was the first moment it was available, the X-T1, you know. So uh, f- from then on, it's all Fuji. So this is the long story short. We didn't, I know we didn't get yet to the to the publishing part of this all, uh, but maybe I, I will let you ask some questions. You are interviewing me. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, you make it easy. <laughs> the, uh, that's good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a similar experience. Uh, I, I saw the the X100 when it first came out, and I was okay. Yeah, I was intrigued by it, and then, um, and then uh, Japan had that tsunami, and it shut down camera production 
mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for for quite a while. So I didn't buy one until maybe August of that year. So mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I've been using them ever since. And when I, you know, when I travel, that's all I take with me. I I'm just like like Valerie Jardin. I know you've talked with her. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, that's her that's her whole thing. All she does is take that little Fuji with her. Right. If, it's it's amazing what you can do with this it, little one thing. It is. And my theory is if, you know, if I need a long lens to get the shot or I need a super wide lens to get the shot, well, it's not my shot. I'll get I'll get another one. Yash, we are on the same uh, this is the same uh, wavelength, I would say. <laughs> I, I I share this approach. And uh, you know, a couple of months later after getting this yeah, so in my case, it was the X100S. Mm-hmm. It was my first Fuji. I was excited like a little kid, you know. Just, those little cameras, they have something. There's so many people, you know, um, uh, telling the same stories. They, you know, they um, uh, reinvigorate the photography. They make you go out and shoot. This, this was really the case with me. I was shooting uh, for myself and also professionally already. I'm, as I told you, I'm a musician, so I automatically was, um, and I am, I still am, photographing musicians. You know, um, mm-hmm. con- concert musicians, ensembles, soloists, solo, you know, portraits of musicians, and so on. Today, I'm doing everything, all of this with with the Fujis. And wow. uh, um, it's, so, where did I start? Yeah, exactly. I did, a couple of months after getting this X100s. My excitement was so big that I just really felt like I just want to share it, you know, with the rest of the world. How, how was the learn? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, how was the learning curve for you? A lot of people, when they move from like a Nikon or a Canon, have a difficult time uh, with that camera because it is, is different. Yeah. Well, it it is different in some uh, in some regards, but. Um, I, I, I didn't experience it. To be honest, I, I didn't have, I mean, I had, obviously I had to learn, you know, which button, button, or sure. which, which, which dial does what, but actually in some way, when you switch to have to the Fuji camera from, from a DSLR, like a Canon or Nikon, it, in my opinion, it makes some things easier mm-hmm. because you, it puts all, yeah, we know about it. It puts all the dials and the, you know, they are just in front of you on the body. So, uh, you know, when you already have this knowledge of, you know, the, the, the relationships between relations between, you know, shutter speed, aperture, mm-hmm. ISO and what's whatsoever, you have it actually suddenly in front of your eyes there on the on the body, on the dials, just on the top of the camera. Uh, for me, it was very natural transition, I must say. It was it was nothing of, you know, oh, my God, uh, I have to now, you know, dive into the manual and, and uh, kind of there was no panic. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I felt at home. Uh, from day number one, I would say. Wow, that's yeah, that's that's really good. It took took me a little while to get used to it, but once okay. I did, it's 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 hard to get back. Um, mm-hmm. So you, um, I I was a big fan of uh, a previous podcast, We Love Fuji podcast. I, you probably listened to it, uh, Scott Bourne and mm-hmm, Marco Larousse, <laughs> and uh, and maybe, maybe you know those guys. And, and then they they went away from it. Uh, to a different format, which is still mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. good. Um, so, but I was glad to see you come back and and fill that uh, fill that void. Um, so, what got you into doing the website and now the the podcast and now the magazine? All right. So, yeah, like I told you before, really, 
it was, a, and I'm so happy about it today that you know that I started something which actually just resonates with. With, with you know with the deepest purest emotions and and, and ex, you know the excitement i really was so so happy about what i was getting with those cameras how how they were uh, how they were influencing my own photography i just i really genuinely felt like i want to share it with people and kind of you know my friends here around me who i meet personally the i had to promise them after a month of two okay no more fuji talk <laughs> because <laughs> i was try, i was trying to convert everyone uh, and it's not even, and you know, with the website, I started the Fujilaf website in March uh, last year, in March 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was not even the thought that I, I didn't think like I want to convert people. I really genuinely wanted to share my enthusiasm and, you know, share the images and kind of reach out and find out who else is using these cameras in the world and, you know, just connect. So I started um, uh, a blog, basically a simple blog in the beginning. Uh, I, I have luck because both of my parents, they, they are now retired, but they both worked as, um, I don't know if I'm using the correct word here, the, um, you know, computer programmers, programmers, mm-hmm. developers, so yeah. developers, uh, I always joke and you may have heard it on another podcast or there or somewhere. I always joke. I, my childhood, you know, my t- teenage, teenager le- uh, years, I was, I was having this uh, rotating chair and I was just switching between the keyboards so I was going from the piano <laughs> to the computer you know? <laughs> and uh, so so for me you know it was not a big deal to, to set up a, a blog a, you know I based it on WordPress whatsoever it, it's an easy thing and I just started blogging you know about the Fujis I was uh, I started sharing photographs and uh, and I started reaching out to I started looking for other people who would be interested in sharing their experiences with the Fuji system and uh, and after a few months, you know, I had a couple of writers, a couple of contributors to the blog. And uh, the thing I noticed was was the traffic, you know, which was going up like crazy. <laughs> then I realized, okay, there are some people interested in the system and in the whole mirrorless movement. And um, yeah, and th- this was my, you know, of course, getting the readership, getting the readers and visitors, it's, it's a juice, it's an inspiration and so on. So the Fujilove started organically let's say growing mm-hmm. this, this this were the beginnings you um yeah i i think the uh the site is really sharp looks really good i but i i my main business is i'm a wordpress developer so you know i always oh admire you're good me nervous now <laughs> no no not at all i think it's yeah. i think it's beautiful i love the theme you're using thank you and uh i've never uh, uh i won't get into it here but uh, you know i I've never seen it before, but uh, I like it. There, I like it. There, there were some sleepless nights, yeah, involved. On oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. But yeah, it looks really sharp. Content is great. Really varied. Anybody? I, I think you don't even have to be a, a Fuji owner or photographer to get a lot out of your website. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I see one article that just caught my eye. Um, you know, choosing gear for travel and work. And, you know, anytime I go away, I have all this angst about what, you know, what gear am I going to take, what lenses, whatever. Mm-hmm. I always wind up just taking the Fuji. But, you know, that's something people go through. And it doesn't matter what camera you own. Yeah. That's uh, this uh, article by, by Takekayo. You can know him as uh, he goes also under Big Head Taco. Mm-hmm. He has quite a popular YouTube channel where he talks about mirrorless um and so we are very happy to have him also on board as a regular contrib- contributor to, to Fujilaf. Uh, 
Um, yeah, and you know, and uh, uh, fast forward a couple more months, and um, I always, you know, you asked in the beginning about publishing and about this kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was something going on, you know, with me about uh, with, with the publishing uh, ideas, and you know, because I remember already as a, again in in my school years, like uh, it was the middle school, I think I. When I I didn't even realize it till recently, but then my father reminded me of this. I was apparently always producing some kind of you know class or school newsletters and this kind of things. And you know when the yeah, as I told you, the computers were always around. And I remember software pieces like uh, what was it called? You know the layout layout software i was always trying to 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 produce some kind of you know publications <laughs> online mm-hmm. or so it was somewhere in me and then when the fuji life you know started gaining attention and uh, there was one impulse i i really admire and uh, there is one more photo- black and white photography magazine i'm sure you're familiar with this one it's lens work mm-hmm. by yeah. by brooks brooks jensen yeah i i, I, admire, <laughs> I always i always admire this 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 look this simplicity and you know the fact that, that the photographs stay in the center of attention of this publication so mm-hmm. uh, my idea was then to, com- to 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 produce something similar not similar in, of course not about copying something else but yeah of course it's a great way of of doing it i find it a great way to, to putting photographs the photos themselves in the focus you know in the in the center of attention so then i decided to to combine my 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 fuji laugh <laughs> with this uh, affection to you know to the beautiful layout and 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 presenting photographs in the nicest possible way and that's why the the fuji laugh magazine was born um, four months ago. The first issue of the Fujilove magazine was April 2016. So is it a, a digital magazine or is it PDF or um, it's a, a hard copy? At the moment, it's a, it's, a, it's a digital magazine. It is a PDF format at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, um, I am, you know, I regularly getting, getting questions and kind of requests for hard copy oh, yes. of the ma- magazine. You know, working on it, but there are so there are several factors, of course, of, of um, making such a decision. Uh, you you need a certain amount of of copies, you know, oh. even financial, even financially, that you know you can go with the cost of the printing process down. Uh, you can go with the on-demand printing, where individual copy would be substantially more expensive than yeah. for the for the for the reader. So. It is somewhere on my, you know, to-do list, uh, but I'm still um, analyzing the whole idea if, uh, if and when, and and uh, it's worth doing it. I, I mean, I would love it to keep keep it myself in my hands because, for, also in my opinion, the photo, a photograph gains another level of of you know existence when when printed on paper. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it's. Yeah, like you, we've looked into it. It, it is so costly. Um, well, this is, a, I, I hope for you and for me then, you know, you are also doing a great job with the street photography magazine that, uh, you know, uh, probably it's a matter of hitting some kind of balance between the number of people interested mm-hmm. in this, in a printed copy and and the, and the price of actually producing it, right? So... Yeah, we are also looking into it um, and there is, it is on our to-do list. I think you have a much broader market than we do, and you probably would have a, you know, you probably have a good chance of, uh, uh, you know, being profitable with it. 
Well, but wait, let me just. Oh. <laughs> I would I, I would argue with that. I mean, okay. you are covering you are covering street photography, which can be done with yeah. any camera. Brand. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I tell you what. I mean, uh, you know, whenever we we don't do a lot of like gear reviews and and mm-hmm. gear type things, but whenever we do, matter of fact, by accident, we had a gear review couple of years ago in the magazine and we have a web version and we have an ipad version mm-hmm. and uh on the web version we I, we actually accidentally didn't protect the one article and it mm-hmm. ran for months uh, in the you know the, open it was, it was indexed by google mm-hmm. and I, you know, I wasn't paying too close attention to our analytics i looked at the analytics one day <laughs> and that thing went through the roof Traffic. Well, I saw this big that, spike in traffic, and it was from, it was from that one article. Uh, we we didn't promote it or anything. <laughs> it's it's called, so called unconscious marketing. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was lucky marketing, I think. No, it's great. It's always interesting for me how the how the yeah the the gear you know related articles how popular they can get. I mean, it's in the end in the end it's about the photograph, right? Yep. About. But uh, apparently this this. You know, thing of choosing the lens, choosing the cameras, comparing them—it's so so attractive and so interesting for many people. Um, I am personally trying to, you know, not get too, you know, um, too involved in the, in this kind of comparisons and and because, it, as we know, there is always something. Just every almost every day we have something new on the market. So yeah, so we could just spend time in front of the monitor, you know, looking for the reviews. Instead of actually going out and photographing, well, there's a lot of that uh, going on. I, all right. Yeah, photo- uh, yeah, yeah. Ph- photographers are like golfers. I mean, they'll spend anything just to get a little <laughs> bit better. Well, th- there is the saying, of course, uh, uh, it's not about the camera, right? It's about the eye and about the photographer. And, you know, I, I, once I gave it a, like a deeper thought, and uh, I agree with it. I, I still think the the main 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 thing is our eye, our you know image, our uh, creativity, our you know visions and so on. But I I have to agree actually that there are certain ideas, certain ideas or certain you know um, projects. Like you said before, you know if you would have a project uh, of of shooting you know um, church towers which are very very away from you, you need the zoom, right? Yeah. You need you need this reach. Uh, if you want to shoot, you know, um, if you are into uh, uh, astro photography, then you need a camera with a specific sensor, which will allow you to 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 work on this project. So you know, there is like two things, of course, to this. Um, it's important to know your camera, and it's it's equally important to to follow your vision and you know to go with the, with the guts. I think it's, it's a special mixture, and that's what I like about Fuji because they are actually. Uh, the Fuji X system is technologically very advanced. I mean, excellent lenses. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's anyone anymore actually arguing with this. No, no. But at the same time, they are sticking to this traditional feel and and look, and you know the the, and they are so close to the to the, uh, to the you know soul, let's say, of the whole photographic photography process and and you know way of thinking and of seeing things so this is a i just love the mixture in the fuji x system about about those elements they do and and they they listen to their users um you know it wasn't unusual for them to do firmware updates to cameras two generations old yeah that's correct uh, yeah mm-hmm. the 
But what you say about the camera, I think, you know, if you bond with the device and it almost becomes part of you, I think it it inspires you to to do better. And I, I think, at least for me, and everybody's different, it's like your shoes. Um, I, for me, I, I, you know, I really bonded with that form factor, the form factor of the Fuji. And, and uh, you know, it, it can encourage you to go out and do more with it. Absolutely. And also what I noticed myself, and that's why I'm kind of stopping myself, you know, from, from getting immediately every new model. And because as you say, to, to, to bond with a camera, with a certain camera, you need some time. And okay, in, in, in case of Fuji, the cycle of releasing new cameras in, in certain lines is, I would say, relatively longer, you know, longer than you compare it to, to, let's say, Sony uh, cameras where they are releasing the, every, a new model every few months. So you have this time, but still, you know, if you want to get familiar and really intimate with your camera and like, you know, it be, like you say, it, that it becomes a part of you, of you, you need some time. So if I would change the model, you know, every few months, I would not even have this chance to start You're doing right. it. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I like. I like the pace of, of till now, I, I liked it, the, the pace of the, of, of, in which Fujifilm is releasing the, the new models. They listen, they, co- they, collect the, like you say the feedback from the users and they they're taking their time i like it so what can uh when somebody subscribes to your magazine what what can someone expect as, as a subscriber what do they get out of it so what i'm trying to do as you know we have the website itself with with you know free free accessible um i would it's at the moment it's three or four articles a, a week I'm actually, lot, yeah. I, yeah, I'm trying to keep it down to three. Actually, I think, I, I think also too much is too much, you know. So yeah, yeah. It, the, you need time to digest, to 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 think about things and try them out for yourself. Um, what I am, how, how I'm trying to differentiate the magazine from the website is the magazine is for me the, this inspirational tool. So I am trying to reduce gear reviews you know um, mm-hmm. setting ideas and specifications there are some of them still in the magazine but actually the direction the, the you know i'm trying to go is um, magazine is really the tool i want uh, people to use to, to get inspired to look at other people's work and to to read about the photographer's thinking and mm-hmm. you know uh, behind those photographs yeah good. In, in, ter- in terms of ideas and you know in uh, deeper thoughts and their vision uh, of course it will be mentioned which we, we most probably which camera they use and so on but uh, uh, I, i'm trying to save this kind of things like you know specification listings and gear reviews lenses at, for the website because mm-hmm. um yeah the, how i said before the, the magazine it's also in its form in its layout it's it's much more about photography for me than about the the cameras and lenses so this would be the main differentiating factor here. And, uh, yeah, I think just from a business perspective, that makes a lot of sense because the gear things r- drive traffic, bring people to your site, so then you can well, yeah, well, introduce this is, them to the magazine. Uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a very it, – the, the whole thing with the whole Fujilaf, like you say, business side of things, it's so interesting for me because – like I told you, I started it from this genuine you know, excitement and just, you know, and then, okay, I have family, you know, I have to feed my, my daughter and, and so on. So I was, and then 
it was taking more and more time, you know, uh, of my life, daily time. So of course, at some point, I, I start. I, I thought about it. I'm like, okay, how can I monetize it? How can I, you know, make at least a part of my living from this, from this, uh, from the whole project? Uh, and then I started learning and analyzing, and uh, you know, the, the marketing idea. So when you are mentioning now that this differentiating of, of the magazine and website makes makes sense from the marketing point of view, I absolutely agree. And today I'm kind of consciously doing this kind of things. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm far, I, I haven't studied any marketing at <laughs> this kind of things. So I'm sure I'm doing many mistakes. So anybody, anybody listening to this podcast, please send in your, your criticism and comments and, <laughs> and, and advice. But sure, I'm also learning this part of um, this part of the whole equation. And I think in the end is also something valuable for the for the visitor for the reader because they the people then know what they can expect from each of the elements right of the yeah of the puzzle yeah that just makes a lot of sense oh I you know one other thing I want to ask about the the uh, the membership area what's that all about well the membership area um, originally uh, basically the membership area is the you know this it's called the members area and. Um, uh, 90% of this idea, it's 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 just a place where you log in and you can access the, the current issue of the magazine or, you know, as a subscriber. There are, there are member forums, uh, which most probably will be closing mm-hmm. because this is everything actually. My idea is every move, you know, every decision I make is actually based on the on the suggestions from the readers. And uh, from time to time, I'm also running surveys, you know, and but everything is actually user and reader driven. Uh, people love the Fujilove uh, readers group on Facebook and this is just without comparison how useful how active you know and um, also in terms of, of photography it's much easier to share your photographs in there so and it's open so again actually you don't have to be a subscriber to, to join our readers group on Facebook and the group is so friendly I'm so happy to have so many nice you know members of the group people are answering the questions immediately doesn't matter if you're a beginner or advanced and uh, so most probably will be closing the, the forums on the website because simply said they don't, they don't make so much sense I uh, you know I agree 100% I in, in our business we mainly mm-hmm. build membership sites mostly okay. online courses and Probably half of the sites we built, we put in forums, and most of those we wind up taking them out. It's mm-hmm. it's easier to set up a, a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group and use their forum rather than creating your own and making people log into it. So, mm-hmm. so. so yeah, we we are also looking now into a couple of new ideas to to simplify the whole process. Yeah, uh, you know, after you sub- subscribe to the magazine, we are also now. Uh, um, about to release the, the the you know iPhone and Android application mm. with, with the magazine. So yeah, there are so many. The technology is amazing these days. You can just simplify the process so much, and it's very often just one or two clicks, and uh, you know, and um, someone can be you know enjoying your what you, what you have to offer. So so, so you're going to have a an Android or an iPhone or iOS version of the magazine. Yeah, exactly. And okay. uh, good. And uh, this allows us also this is something that we are looking now at the moment into yeah, as you know, this allows also to putting some interactive mm-hmm. more inter- uh, interactive content into it like you know there the, there were the cases when when the the writers the, the authors of the articles in the magazine are linking 
to to the videos or to you know mm-hmm. galleries on on their websites. When you run it in a, in an application, you can actually embed the the video just straight into the article. Or so again, it's it's much more convenient for the for the reader for the end user. So yeah, that's uh, that's exactly how we started. We started as a as an iOS magazine, and then okay, and then grew into uh, the one on our own website. But which platform are you on? Can I ask? Which, uh, are you asking about? Are you asking about the uh, the application now? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we are not yet on. I, <laughs> I, I am looking at two, three options right now. Uh, wait, I think one of them being. I'm not sure. Let me check now. It's called Mag. Yeah, oh, I am very sorry. I, I, I would have to really look up into my emails because yeah. it's also one other pe- person who is looking into it. You know. Well, uh, let me just. We, we can, can talk. Test. Let's talk offline because I've been through this for three years, and I'll be happy okay. to give you some advice. And, that would be great. And, yeah, and everybody else probably doesn't want to hear about it, but <laughs> but uh, I'll be glad to share my experience with you. Sure, it would be great. Yeah, I've been through mm-hmm. two platforms actually. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk later. After yeah, we... we'll talk later. So. Uh, yeah. So more or less, that's that's where Fujilaf, you know, is standing cool. today. We are really happy with the community around and uh, there is so much inspiration you know being exchanged back and forth and uh, yeah fuji there is more and more fuji users and uh, we are just spreading the love (laughs) that's good yeah you sure are so uh, anything uh, anything coming up in the future you want to tell us about uh, in in addition to your uh, in addition to your app uh, absolutely. This, uh, this is actually very exciting news just on the, uh, mm-hmm. coming up next. Uh, it's, it's um, wait, let me see. It's August 13th. We are opening Fujilaf Academy. Really? Yeah. Fujilaf Academy will be a, um, will be a, a video, video based, you know, um, educational resource. Let's, this is a very official term. It will be the videos, you know, uh, interviews and videos from the top Fujifilm X official photographers covering cert- different different subjects, different areas, you know, of, of photography in general and also um, um, being addressed to people in on different levels of their photography experience. Uh, this will be, we'll be releasing four videos a month. Wow. Uh, specifically, specifically for Fuji Film X series users, so it will be you. You will be able to learn photography, but it will be really tailored for for a Fuji X user. It, meaning, you will be learning something specific. You will be learning exactly which buttons on which model of which Fuji X camera you use, how to which menu you, you are supposed to dive in, and so on. So basically, a photography school for Fuji X photographers, and this is going online um, on August 13th. Oh, that's next week. That's week in, after yeah, next, whatever. Yeah, Very yeah. soon. Very a- another soon. F- few sleepless nights in front of me. But <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, keeping keeping myself busy. <laughs> so Tomas, where can everybody uh, find out more about uh, Fuji Love? Yeah, easy thing to guess. Go ahead and, and enter fujilife.com in your browser and just browse around and you will find all the necessary information. And uh, I, I would like to offer something very something very nice okay. for for, uh, for 
for one listener, for randomly chosen, or it, I leave it up to you how you how you organize this thing. Okay. I, I would like to offer one yearly subscription of the Fujilab magazine to one of the listeners to your show. Okay. Okay. And do you want us to to tell you who, or do you want to? You, I would. Uh, no, you make the cho- you make the choice. You can. It's up to you how you how you how you choose the person. I what I would need just in the end this person contacting me at uh, um, or you sending me the the email of this person so I can set up the sub- subscriber account for this person. Okay, so here's what we do. Um, if you send an email to me at bob at streetphotographymagazine.com put in the subject line Fuji Love and uh, we will wait till one week after the publication of this podcast and we'll choose a lucky winner at random from that group. Sounds great. Sounds Wonderful. Great. Well, Tomas, thank you very much for being with us today. It was great to learn what you're doing and uh, I hope everybody gets a lot out of these resources that you've been creating. Thank you so much, Bob. It was my pleasure and uh, can I just ask you one one last question? Absolutely. Which which Fuji X camera are you using these days? Uh, I have the Fuji X100T, and then I have and I've been through a lot of them, by the way. Okay, uh, so you... <laughs> yeah, and I, and I have the XT1, which I really love, and a number of lenses. Uh, oh, nice, nice. Uh, so the, it's uh, the, these are the main main. These are the cameras you, you're grabbing mainly these days? Yes. I, I shot Canon for years and years. And um, one of my favorite lenses was this 17 to 50. Mm-hmm. And then finally I bought the 16 to 55 on the Fuji, and I haven't touched the, the Canon since. I use okay. it for, I do some commercial work locally. I only use the Fuji. And it's great. Great, yeah. Nice system for street photography, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's excellent. I've tried other things. Um, I keep coming back to the Fuji because I just love having the controls in front of me. And when I don't have them, I feel like I'm missing something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What we will do for sure once, because um, you you mentioned the Fuji Life podcast just once. Uh, there was actually a longer break in our own podcast mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's being also let's say redesigned and will be coming coming out in a new format very soon and uh, i want to have you on the show <laughs> i'd love to to share some you know to share some street photography techniques you know with our with our listeners and ideas because it's something really so many people are interested in i'm happy to anytime just let's say do the it. word thanks so much bob All right, so that's it for this episode. And Yeah, great talking to you guys. Yep, same here, same here. So keep shooting. Mm-hmm.